Welcome to the Side Hustle to Small Business podcast powered by Hiscox. I'm your host, Sanjay Parekh. Throughout my career, I've had side hustles, some of which have turned into real businesses. But first and foremost, I'm a serial technology entrepreneur. In the creator space, we hear plenty of advice on how to hustle harder and why you can sleep when you're dead. On this show, we ask new questions in hopes of getting new answers. Questions like, how can small businesses work smarter? How do you achieve balance between work and family? How can we redefine success in our businesses so that we don't burn out after year three? Every week, I sit down with business founders at various stages of their side hustle to small business journey. These entrepreneurs are pushing the envelope while keeping their values. Keep listening for conversation, context, and camaraderie. Can you remember what you were doing in 2019? A lot has happened in the world in the past three years. For Maureen Monty, our guest on the show today, back in 2019, she was sitting for her first interview on this show. In her season one interview, Maureen shared her story about starting her coaching business, writing her first book, and her transition from a career in IT consulting to running her own business. Here today to share what's new, what she's learned, and the future of her business is Maureen Monty. Maureen, welcome to the show. Thank you, Sanjay. I'm happy to be here. Uh, so I'm excited to have you on. I listened to your uh, episode from season one, and I'm super interested to see kind of how the business has grown. But before we get into all of that, for the folks that haven't listened to your first uh, first episode with us, can you give a little bit of background on, on who you are and what you do? Yeah. My name is Maureen Monty, and I, I say I build winning teams. Okay. Now, winning is easy when we keep score in sport or, you know, basketball or whatever. Uh, but winning for me is helping teams unite, overcome obstacles, and achieve big goals. The big goals is the important part. So that's what winning looks like to me. I'm a team consultant. Um, I do individual coaching as well, but are working with individuals, but I, I'm a team consultant because the... Getting a team to perform well is more difficult than getting a one single person to perform well. And uh, my background is in engineering and leadership. I have been uh, running this business since about 2006, although it was a side hustle back then. And I've been in and out of the corporate world, mostly in the, the uh, consulting part of it, IT consulting, strategy consultant, and for about 20 years as well. So, but I, I'm, I'm a natural entrepreneur. I'm, I'm yeah. entrepreneurial even when I'm in a corporation, which can drive people nuts, by the way, but okay. Yeah. So I, I got to ask you then, when you were younger, when you were a kid, what was your first entrepreneurial thing? Or is this your first entrepreneurial thing? Uh, my first entrepreneurial thing in the traditional sense. Now, I've worked since I was young, 13, I think. But, yeah. you know, when your first job is a umpire for baseball. Yeah, I don't know if that's entrepreneurial or not. I certainly had an interesting time. <laughs> Parents were terrible back then as well. Um, but uh, the um, the uh, I think my first real entrepreneurial job was I left engineering for the first time uh -huh. after living in Paris, and I got into photography. And I ran wow. my own photography business for ten years. It was both both writing and photography for ten yeah. years. Um, and then went back and got a master's in leadership and business ethics and, uh, and, and have been doing leadership development, team development since 2006. My business um, was my photography business, though. Over 10 years, I had hundreds of clients and it was both commercial and regular for regular people. Um, 
I did about $2 million worth of business. Right? Wow. So that is one number I do know. Yeah. Yeah. Did, did Was photography, was it something that you just kind of fell into or, or did you have a history doing photography or None. how did that happen? That it, that it was a wonderful, I was working for IBM uh-huh. and helping a create a better software product. Our customers hated it. They wanted to yank it right out of their, their, um, their organizations. It was sold by IBM, marketed by IBM, but it was created by a French software company in Paris. And I, I went to Paris knowing no, nothing, no, no French. I did not work at IBM. I worked inside that French software company. So okay. I had very few connections beforehand and I had never been to Paris, obviously. So long story short, that transformed my life though. I was there almost a year and I, you can't walk around the streets of Paris and not be visually stimulated. I had no. no inclination of being a photographer prior to that, but I would say walking down the street, I would say that would make a good photograph. Yeah. So my main, um, I, I photographed a lot of children. I was good at making children feel comfortable. I was just going to say, maybe I may, uh, that speaks to my maturity level. Um, <laughs> and it may, but, um, and I did almost exclusively black and white. And then the old way of hand tinting the photographs to add a little bit of color. So that's oh, wow. what I did. Wow. And and you're right. Paris is absolutely beautiful. And, and seeing the Eiffel Tower, especially at night um, when it is lit up, is incredible and a, a one in a lifetime kind of experience. So yeah. um, that is that is quite phenomenal. So, uh, OK, it's been about three years since uh, you were first on the podcast. What has changed in the business since then? Well, certainly COVID changes everything, right? Had changed everything. Yeah. But um, for me personally, I have shifted more towards working with my client bases, sports teams, corporate teams, and nonprofit teams. But I have shifted more towards sports teams um, because they're so fully committed to the journey. I do not do well if I have to coddle an executive team to be 1000% focused on performing well as a unit. So winning teams, they pursue, they pursue victory, whatever that is, mm-hmm. like a pack of wolves. <laughs> and every pack of wolves has a leader. They have alpha and beta and they have roles. And you, you but everybody's fully committed to getting that, the outcome, right? And if they're not, we have to work through that. Now, I'm happy to work through it and we do, and that can be very challenging. But when we get out the other side of that, we have a full united team that, that is full of trust um, and everybody appreciates what the other person does rather than they're having this conflict about you aren't doing this or my business unit versus your business unit, whatever. So right. but sports teams very naturally do that, right? So, um, and, and I do like helping young people. You know, I had a, a, a rather difficult childhood and, and if there had been somebody there to tell me what was good about me, I used the Strength Finder assessment tool from Gallup uh, as a way of understanding all the talent on the team so we can harness all the talent on the team. And if I like helping young people become more self-aware so that they're better self-leaders and they make better decisions to become mm-hmm. champions of the game of life. That's that's really, I do love doing that with young people. Yeah. So, uh, it, I think this is interesting. So you, you kind of went deep dive into sports teams and during the pandemic, 
Um, a lot of those teams continued to function in some sense. Mm -hmm. So you probably still had clients, I but did. we did see some interesting things happen where uh, on some sports teams, they had issues with COVID because you had a couple of players that broke protocols right. and, and they would do things that would harm basically the team as a whole. So what are your thoughts around that? Because what you're basically describing is like, hey, we need a, a functioning team. Everybody that's rowing in the same direction, you know, taking the ball in the same direction, like whatever your metaphor, sports metaphor is. Um, and you had these kind of outliers who didn't think they were, you know, required to do the same thing as everybody else. Like, how do you, how do you work with a team like that and get everybody back on the same page? So first of all, that's a great question because that's where all the problems begin. COVID or otherwise, right? Um, right? So all my teams, and this is well documented in my first book called Destination Stoppable, The Journey of No Teammate Left Behind, which is a sports story, but it's really a team success story. But all my teams, and this is true even though I have worked with Fortune 50 companies at the top of the heap, and we commit, we, meaning every one of them, commit to a team trust bank. And here's the deal with a team trust bank. You, every action, word, decision, is either helping the team or it's hurting the team. There's no neutral act. There's no, well, that that was okay because it didn't hurt anybody. No, if you think it's neutral, I guarantee you it's negative in some way, shape or form. So to your point, I make the decision to go out to the bars or whatever happened with the COVID thingy that they got COVID. And that is a withdrawal from the team trust bank. Mm. Great teams make better decisions through self-leadership, through commitment to one view of, the, of success and what, what the team trust bank is. If, if teams have a healthy trust bank, they have far fewer problems. And when there is a mistake, I say something sharply to you, Sanjay. I say, I say something like, that was a stupid thing to do. It might've been, and I bet you know that, by the way. Um, but if I circle back afterwards and go, shoot, you know what? That was withdrawal from the team trust bank. And I circle back to you and I say, Sanjay, that was inappropriate. I apologize and let me know what I can do to make this better. And I will, it will not happen again. That withdrawal from the team trust bank suddenly becomes a deposit because our relationship's better as a result. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, but at the, at the, all teams, if one team, if teams did one simple thing and just did a team trust bank and every person was fully committed to the success of the team trust bank, a lot of these problems would go away. Yeah. Uh, what you're describing is something, it's interesting. I, I've seen myself. Um, I had the honor uh, as a part of business school to be able to spend two days at Quantico for Marine Officer Candidate School. And and I got to tell you, uh, learning leadership from Marines is, is a whole different level of being committed to the cause um, and trusting the person that's on your side uh, to make sure that they've got your back. So um, I, I find kind of this, uh, this kind of line very, very fascinating. Um, but let's dig into, uh, did you have a thought on that? No, I was just going to say nobody does it better. I shouldn't say nobody, but the military does that very, very well. And I do a lot of work with veterans and, and police officers. And yeah. if you can't trust the guy next to you in these very dangerous situations, that's, that's yeah. different from sport or business, right? Yeah. Athletics and business don't have that pressure. Yeah. And, and I feel like some of that is because of the the trials that they go through just to become a part of the team, yeah. right? Like we went through that leadership reaction course and I got to tell you, I, I was trying to prep for months before 
to be able to not die on that course. And I was not in any good shape uh, when I got on that course. I, I clearly recognized it right away. And there were a couple of times I was definitely the laggard in our team. Uh, but our, our gunnery sergeant uh, would lean over and yell at me and, and not in a mean way, but in a encouraging way to get me through that next obstacle. But what was fascinating to me is once I got through the obstacle, there wasn't any time of hurrah, you did it, anything. It was like, no, let's go. We got the next one. Uh, there, there was no pause, um, no pause in the experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, they, it, you, what you got was feedback, right? Uh, helping you get from A to B, and right. all feedback is useful, but that's not the same as in, is a pat on the back after, right? So, <laughs> right, right, yeah. exactly. But I, I can imagine those kinds of experiences really bond a, a group together because. You've been through a really, really tough time and all made it out um, on the other end of it. Is that something like thinking about your teams in in sports? Like, is it really good for you to talk to those teams when they have suffered a major loss? Like, you know, they they lost the championship or they lost, you know, the most important game and, you know, their yeah. season has ended, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, so, so two quick thoughts. First of all, um, one of the things I start with, and I think we should be teaching this in, in from elementary school to business school, is that all teams struggle. There is no, there is no other path. All teams struggle between the drama between human beings, between the challenges that you know are coming and the challenges you don't know are coming. All teams struggle. So embrace the struggle because through the struggle, you come out with greater trust and better understanding and you are stronger as a result of that, right? And then the second thing, and, and to your point, um, during COVID, as games were canceled or um, uh, see, even one season was canceled for some of these kids, but I would, with a, particularly with the boys, I use a video and you can Google it. Uh, it's called Good by Jocko Willink. Jocko is a former Navy SEAL and he developed okay. their leadership program. Okay. So it's similar to what you had experienced in the Marine. And I've been to some of Jocko's and, and his team's events um, and it's called Good. And it's, it's, so what happens when COVID strikes? Good. We have more time to get better. Your games are canceled? Good. More time to get better. You lost? Good. You learned something. So if you can say good to the obstacles that come and do it as a team and use it as fuel for the next big challenge you're going to face, that is a life lesson, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I love that. And, and, and viewing every obstacle and, and as an entrepreneur, I, I talk about that all the time is that we do things um, and I view everything as a learning experience. Uh, when I quit my job doing my first startup uh, back in the late 90s, I thought, well, you know, if nothing else, I'm going to learn a lot and have a lot of fun. Uh, and then I'll just go get it. I'm an engineer. I can get a job afterwards. It, it'll be all fine after that. Um, so let, let's talk about kind of now your perspective looking back on on these years. And, you know, you started as a side hustle and, and then went full time. Like looking back now at this point, what is it that you would have done differently knowing what you know now? Or is there anything you would have done differently? Hmm. I, and I am a backward looking person. I do like yeah. to look at what happened in order to do it better next time. Um, I, the only thing I would have possibly changed, um, when I got my master's in leadership and business ethics, uh, I, I was exposed to a strength finder for the first, for the first time. And when I was hired, rehired into IBM in, I think 2007 or 2008 to help, 
I like to build strategic partnerships. I was hired mm -hmm. to build a strategic partnership between General Motors and IBM. And you have two large companies. That's going to be, you talk about all team struggle. That is a, that is a difficult situation <laughs> to make a strong partnership. And I said to them, I was already doing my side hustle of strength finder with teams to help them understand the talent on the team and appreciate one another rather than say, you're different from me and I don't get you. And actually you're annoying me to death. Okay. Um, and I said, can I bring that with me? And they said, yes. So. Within when I was within IBM from about 2007 or so through 2016, and during that time frame, I did two roles. One was the partnership with General Motors, and one was building strategic partnerships with small software companies. And I always used the Strength Finder. I should have pushed harder to bring it into IBM as a formal solution. As mm. it was, though, my entrepreneurial nature almost got me fired. Right? Is that I brought it in at the ground roots level and began to offer these global webinars. We had 6,000 people sign up. Yeah. This was the 6,000 people that you 6, talked about in the first, uh, first, in the first season. podcast. Yeah. And I wish I had pushed harder to make it a formal program, but when they began to make people feel uncomfortable that this was not a formal program, I backed down and I wish I'd pushed harder because I think IBM would be a different company today if they had followed that path. Right. Yeah. It is what it is. It's, it was probably all for the best because then I could say, okay, I'm leaving now. Right. right. So yeah. these things all work out for the best. But no, I, I don't. I don't have any regrets, and I wouldn't. I wouldn't change anything. No. Yeah, that's great. Um, okay, let, let's dive into um, your books. Um, you've written and released uh, your second book, Win Like a Girl. Um, tell us why, first of all, you decided to write this book, um, and how the process was different for you. Uh, compared to the first book? <laughs> well, first of all, let's start with the beginning. It isn't, it is not released yet, which is how this process is different. Okay. So okay. let's start there. And it's not a, it's not a problem. It's a small, small detail. Um, both Destination Stoppable and Win Like a Girl are my programs for companies and, and sports teams. So they're both a program and then they're the title of my books. Okay. Destination Stoppable was released in 2016. And, um, but as I began to work with female athletes, I began to see that there are gender differences in how they approach winning. So first of all, let's, let's, let's say that women and men, male and female athletes take a different path to victory. The male athletes, this was shared by a coach friend of mine, Mark Luckett, he's described it well. Male athletes battle as a team, to bond as a team. This is back to your point about the Marines, you know, struggling through, and then you come out strong on the other side. Right. You are bonded through the struggle. Female athletes bond as a team in order to battle as a team. So the bonding has to happen first. So there, I can see the differences in how they behave as teams, and I can measure the differences with the strength finder. The biggest difference between male and female athletes well, there's two major differences. Both genders are extremely gritty. They're tenacious, won't quit. They would make great entrepreneurs, right? They work their tails off. Both genders do that. Right? They are, they're flexible. They, they can take the, the, the ups and downs of a game. Um, the men are way more competitive. I can measure high compete level, their competitive nature. It's the number one talent in male athletes, which is, you think, well, that's not shocking. It's athletics. Well, it's not number one for females. Hmm. In fact, it comes in at seven. 
So they don't, they instead at the top are all the hard work and really, I call it hard work and love. They need to bond and, and have good relationships. Support for this podcast comes from Hiscox, committed to helping small businesses protect their dreams since 1901. Quotes and information on customized insurance for specific risks are available at Hiscox.com. Hiscox, the business insurance experts. Um, so let's talk about something um, that you do that that does help teams. Um, so you talked about this strength strength finder uh, test to assess these teams' uh, capabilities. Right. Um, I'm assuming you've taken it. Um, yeah. What about your strengths and and how do you use those strengths as a business owner and entrepreneur? Well, my number one strength is ideation. I am an idea machine, right? Uh-huh. And one of the things that's great about the strength finder assessment from Gallup is that, and I, I get no money if anybody takes it right. So just to be clear, I, it's open, it's available to everybody. 20 million, 6 million people have taken it and it's used in almost all Fortune 500 companies, okay? But what is, here's the, here's the great thing about it. It's not a personality test. I do not have a great personality. <laughs> I don't. I turn into General Patton if things don't, um, if there's a bully around or like, like, as you can tell, I am, one of my, it measures harmony, which is diplomacy. That is down at the bottom of the 34 strengths that it measures for me. I am not diplomatic, right? But it's important for me to know that so that I don't make a withdrawal from the team trust bank. But, but your greatness lies in using the top strengths. Right, your best life, your you feel like you're blissful, uh, having a you know you're in the flow as they talk about it. When you're using your strengths, the things that come naturally to you, it you feel great. And so if we but but the, it's the greatness on the inside, and this is true of athletes and people in business. Your greatness on the inside drives the greatness on the outside. So let's say we measure profit. Okay, that is one measure of greatness. But what is inside of you that's driving that? And if we measure how many hits you got in baseball. That's great, but what's driving the inside, right? So the strength finder measures, it's holistic in nature. It measures, it measures four kinds of talent and it gives you 34, it measures 34 kinds of talent and how you think, which I cannot see. Sanjay, I don't know what movie is happening inside your head, but I cannot see it. And how you um, build relationships, which I can kind of see, how you get stuff done, your productivity, nature, how, you know, is it, are you, are you a slow worker? Are you a fast worker? And then how you galvanize or push someone else to do something. And the, the male athletes have a lot of the galvanizing push someone to do something. The rest of the world have a lot less, less of that. And when like a girl and Destination Shoppable both um, help teams use that information for success at the individual level and then success at the team level. So, um, if I were to say to you for your, you know, your company, what, what, what does success look like? We all better be on the same page with what success looks like, first of all, right? Not just what we do, but how we behave to get there. Right. And then second of all, how can I use my talents to help the team achieve success? And how can I use it to achieve success in my role? So number one is ideation for me. I am a creative, disruptive person, which is why I was almost always in trouble in some way, shape or form in the corporate world. Two, I'm strategic. I can see the path. If we do this, good things will happen, right? I connect things. I see patterns that other people don't say, see per se. Three, um, I have a learner. I am a constant learning. I'm a very curious, lifelong learner, right? And I seek mastery. I'm very good at what I do in this niche that I do, 
right? Um, and then I have Achiever, which is hard work every day. I do not take a day off to the point of it being probably the strength that is not managed very well in my life. And finally, my secret weapon for my work and relationships is individualization. So I pay attention to how you behave and act, Sanjay, and I don't seek to make you like someone else. I seek to help you as an individual bring all that greatness to life. So I don't see, I see individuals as snowflakes in terms of their, their unique people. And I value that and I want to know what it is and I want to use it to help the team win and have, have you use it to help achieve success in your role. Yeah, I, I, I love all of those. Um, and those sound like really great, uh, great attributes for an entrepreneur. I, I do need to ask though, um, have you ever done the Myers-Briggs mm -hmm. personality test? Yeah. What, what, if, if I may ask, what are you? INTJ, introvert. INTJ. Yeah. So uh, interestingly, I am an ENTJ. I believe that. <laughs> uh, and the reason why it's interesting is I read a stat at some point that said something like 70 or 80% of entrepreneurs are NTJs, mm. either E or I, but NTJs. Mm -hmm. um, and mm -hmm. there is some weird correlation there. I think it's, you know, you're thoughtful, analytical-ish, right? Um, right. And I, I think any assessment's good. What that doesn't tell us, though, is, and I bet, Sanjay, you may think about the future, and I may think about the past, yeah. right? And it doesn't tell you if you're creative, which the strength finder does, right? Right. right. So the strength yeah. finder gets real discreet. I'm, I'm positive, um, and that's a strength, or, um, and I'm empathetic. I sense how you feel. Those are two different strengths that it matches, yeah. right? So yeah. it's for young people that are not self-aware, it's extremely helpful. But any assessment that helps you better understand yourself or the team, yeah. Do it. Yeah. Do it. So um, with, with that piece of advice, what other piece of advice now, looking back on your kind of history, starting as a side hustle, now being full-time, somebody else that is on the verge of either starting a side hustle or launching from a side hustle to full-time, like what piece of advice would you give them about the, the journey they're going through? First of all, Side hustle is the way to go. Do never quit your day job, okay? Unless COVID strikes, you don't have a job, and that's a different <laughs> ballgame, right? But um, to, you know, be a master of your craft. Don't be a, I think I could do this, or uh, my buddy Joe does this, I can too. Be really good at what you do. If you're really good at what you do, I think Oprah said, excellence beats racism and sexism. I agree with that, right? Um, and finally, add value. If you do not have a very clear value proposition that you can articulate and that fits a need for whomever you're trying to market to, right? Um, why, why would they ever work with you, right? right? So I think people miss out on the, where I think people fall short. And, and the other, finally, you're gonna work your tail off. Good luck if you think this is an easier thing than driving to work every day. Okay, good luck with that. Um, and so, but they miss out. I think many entrepreneurs miss out on the fact that that they must be really good at what they do to separate themselves from everybody else out there. And two, be clear about the value. Be real clear about the value. So that's that's the advice I would. And and know know who you are. Right. This is where the strength finder comes in for me. Is that you know, know the tools inside of you that are going to help you do whatever it is that you're trying to do, whether it's as an entrepreneur or as a medical doctor, right? Yeah. 
That's great. Uh, Maureen, uh, it has been great having you back on the podcast um, with this update and, and being able to deep dive into some of these topics. Um, thanks so much for coming back on. Sanjay, this has been a delightful conversation as I knew it would be. And I'm honored to be back on. And I can't say enough good things about my um, my experience with Hiscox. They've been very good for me. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Side Hustle to Small Business podcast, powered by Hiscox. To learn more about how Hiscox can help protect your small business through intelligent insurance solutions, visit hiscox.com. That's H-I-S-C-O-X.com. And if you have a story you want to hear on this podcast, please visit hiscox.com slash share your story. I'm your host, Sanjay Parikh. You can find me on Twitter at, at Sanjay, that's S-A-N-J-A-Y, or on my website at sanjayparikh.com. 